you again. And uh, we've got some exciting truths to, to look at tonight. We're going to be continuing on our series, uh, looking at the, the healing ministry of Jesus, going, moving on to a different account to the one we looked at last week. Uh, but what I want to really talk about today is we're going to look at how to get God to move uh, in desperate circumstances. When you're in a situation that is almost hopeless, and it seems these days that there's more and more people who are facing very dis de uh, desperate situations, more and more people seem to be facing challenging situations and not knowing uh, how to get God to move. And how can I get God involved? People are crying out, Lord, help. Things are desperate. So we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be seeing some things from the ministry of Jesus. And uh, when a particular person came to him in a very hopeless, very desperate situation, what, how Jesus helped him, how Jesus was able to, to minister to this person and uh, get, help them in this situation and, and produce a miracle, get God involved. So if you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do. I hope you bring your Bibles along to these broadcasts and join with us. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, if you want to open to John chapter 4. Uh, John chapter 4. And um, we're going to be looking at the account of the nobleman's son. Starting in verse 46. And uh, you're going to see that this man was in a very dis desperate situation. And how did Jesus help him? What did Jesus do for this man? And we're going to go through this step by step like we've been doing in these uh, live broadcasts to help you to understand what this passage uh, is bringing to us and what it's teaching to us and the focus of this passage. Um, I believe each of these different accounts of healing uh, in the ministry of Jesus, each of these different accounts uh, adds different pieces to the puzzle. You'll see certain truths get emphasized over and over again, but you'll also see each each of these passages brings a different thing to light and helps us to put together the puzzles, the, the pieces of the puzzle involved in receiving from God, particularly healing. But you can take these principles and apply them in different, uh, in different areas of your life to receive from God. So I, I trust that some of, you, some of you are being encouraged by this already. If you haven't seen the, the previous broadcasts, they are, are available on both face, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and on the website, the website is exceedingfaith.com um, uh, slash live if you want to know where the live broadcasts are. So like I said, we're going to be looking at how to get God to move in desperate circumstances. How to, when, when things are hopeless, when things are, are just, it feels like nothing you do, nothing you, you try is helping. You're crying out to God. You're wanting, you know, God, please help. Things are very desperate. Um, and uh, it just doesn't seem like anything's happening. So we're going to look at, at, at a man who faced a similar situation and how Jesus helped him. So let's look here in John chapter 4. And we'll just uh, read part of this initially. And I'll comment as we read through this passage and we'll see how Jesus helped this, uh, this man. Uh, so thank you. Hello. Hello for the comment. Hope you're well too. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, all right, John chapter 4 and verse 46. Uh, it says, So Jesus came whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, Jesus did a lot of his miracles in Capernaum. Many people don't realize this, but Capernaum was probably pretty much Jesus' hometown eventually. It's where he moved after he left where, the, where he had grown up when he was younger. He eventually moved to Capernaum. Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, you see in many of these different passages about healing that it starts with the person hearing. 
this man heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee. Um, I'm just going to pause there for a moment because you need to understand that um, hearing is vital. Hearing is a vital part of receiving from God. Many people underestimate the value and importance of, uh, of hearing and hearing what God uh, has to say, hearing what God is saying, hearing the word of God taught. Many people who came to Jesus, it says they came to hear and be healed. They didn't just come to be healed. They came to hear and be healed. And hearing is, is very often the beginning point of people's freedom. It's where it starts, uh, when people begin to hear. And that's why very often when, when people need to receive from God, what they need to do is spend some time hearing. People often want to just come and just receive, have someone pray for them. But if we're going to help people effectively, we, we need to understand the importance and the value in, uh, in, in, in ensuring that they hear. Hear the word. Hear what God has to say. Don't rush this step. Make sure that people hear. That's, that's what these broadcasts are about as well, is, is, is giving people the opportunity to hear what the word of God is saying and, what, and the principles of the word. So when Jesus, uh, sorry, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, uh, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. Now notice this next phrase it says, for he was at the point of death. This, this, this son, this man's son was not just a little bit sick. He wasn't just having a rough day and needed prayer. The Bible says he was at the point of death. This is desperate. This, this boy in John 4, this, oh, sorry, this man comes along and his child is in a situation where he's about to die. Now, I want you to just, just imagine, I don't know if any of you have children, but imagine how you would feel if your child was about to die. How would a parent feel uh, when, when uh, you know, many parents, you know, the heart of a parent, they look at their suffering child and they wish they were the one suffering instead. Um, I often use that when I teach on the character of God, because as humans, we, we would, we look, we would love to be able to sometimes replace our children in their suffering. And uh, I point out that the father nature of God not only longed to take our place, he actually did. It's the father heart of God that m motivated sending Jesus. That's why he took our place, because he didn't want us going through that. But many parents, you know, see their, their, their children suffering and they cry out and they're like, God, please do something. And this man, his child is not just going through a rough time. This man, his child is at the point of death. In other words, he could die any moment. And this is what I would call a desperate situation. This is a life or death situation. This is God, I need you get to get involved in this now. If, if, you, if I don't get you involved, everything is lost. There's no way out. The good news is that with God, everything is not lost. I love the, I love the fact that uh, the, the passage with Lazarus, Lazarus, where Jesus raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. One of the things I teach out of that passage is that it is not over until God's had his say. Lazarus even died. Many people give up. They, they rolled the stone in front of Lazarus' tomb and that was final. That was the end. Jesus said, get the stone out the way. I'm not finished there. And uh, he said, I can still do something. You see, it doesn't matter how bad, how desperate something is. It can be right at the point of death. It can be right at the point where everything is about to fall apart. If you know how to get God involved and if you know how to put the principles of his word into practice, things can change still. There is still hope. 
That's that's the thing. That's with, with with a Christian, with a person who believes God, believes the Bible. It's never hopeless. Things are never without hope and without uh, possibility of change. No matter how bad it looks in the natural, and this could be in your finances. It could be in your any area of your life. You could be facing some of the worst situations possible, and you can know that there is a way to get God involved and to get it to turn around. And God can bring you through any situation. That's why as Christians, we never have to feel hopeless. Uh, what we do need to do is follow the word of God and follow the, the principles that God has taught us in his word. So this man comes to Jesus and he, his child is at the point of death and he cries out to Jesus, says he implored him to come down and heal his son. Now, that word implored is important because, they, you know, again, put yourself in this man's shoes. Put yourself into this man's position. He is crying out to Jesus. Jesus, please help. Do something. I need you to get involved in this situation. If you don't help now, Jesus, my child is going to die. Now, that is often how we cry out to God when we're in desperate situations. And uh, what I need you to see from this passage is that is not what gets God involved. If desperation is what God involved, got God involved in your situation, then de there's desperate people all over the planet. We'd be see seeing miracles on a daily basis. If desperation alone was enough, some people say just when you're really desperate, just cry out to God and that, that, then he'll move. Not according to this situation. You're going to see Jesus did not just respond to his desperation. He had to, he had to adjust this man out of desperation and into something else. This man's desperate position was not quite what was going to get God to move. And uh, so when he first comes to Jesus, he is in desperation. All this man can see is the fact that his child's going to die. All he, he is kept. Excuse me, he is captivated by the problem. He's captivated by the, 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 the intense emotion and the crisis of the situation that he's, gonna, that he's facing. And he knows at any moment he could get the news that his child has died. So he's, you know, think about how that would feel. And, and some of you might be facing desperate situations, some might be feeling like that right now. Well, there's hope. God can fix this. God can turn it around if you know how. But when this man first got to Jesus, he is in desperation. And, and, and part of the reason why is his, his entire attention, what he can see, his focus is all on the crisis of the situation. And this is, this is a key here. Jesus had to adjust to this man's focus. He had to get him looking at something else in order to be able to help him. And this is what happens here with what Jesus says. So it says in verse 48, oh, let me just, before I look at what Jesus said, let me just say this. How do, how do desperate people, uh, what do desperate people do to other people? Well, they, they put pressure on other people. See, when someone is feeling pressure themselves, they start to put pressure on other people to be the answer. They start to put pressure on someone else. Do it for me. Help me. Do something. I need you. And um, what you're going to see here is that Jesus did not respond directly to the pressure. See, what was this man asking? This man was saying, come down with me and heal my son. 
Well, did Jesus go with him? Actually, we haven't read it yet, but the answer is no. Jesus didn't go with him. Jesus didn't quite respond to the pressure that this man was putting on him. Jesus, what, what Jesus knew, and we've seen this previously in some of the other passages, Jesus knew he had to adjust this man a little bit out of this intense pressure of all he could see was the crisis. Jesus had to get his attention off that. And um, so this is what, what he did. Now, let's look at Jesus' response in verse 48. It says, then Jesus said to him, okay, I'll come. I know, I know. Let's go, let's go, let's go. No, that's not what Jesus did. <laughs> it's worth noticing what Jesus did not do. Okay. You know, very often, even today, people come to, to, to ministers or come to other Christians and they're desperate and they're like, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, do something, pray for me. And, and we feel, we, you almost feel a pressure uh, to, to pray for them. And you feel like you have to because they've asked. Jesus didn't do that. He did not respond to this man according to the pressure the man was putting on him because of his desperation. Jesus knew that to help this man, that's not the way to do it. So we've got to be aware of that ourselves. This is what we've got to learn. When we're trying to help other people, it's not just about responding to their pressure. Do something, do something, do something. It's not the way to do it. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to know how to help them. How am I going to help this person? How am I going to help myself when I'm under pressure, when I'm feeling desperate? What have I got to do? Well, let's see what Jesus taught this man to do and showed him uh, how to help. You see, when this man first came to Jesus, he wasn't ready to receive. He wasn't in a position. He wasn't trusting God. His eyes were not on God. His eyes were not on Jesus. Now, people say, well, he came to Jesus, so that shows he, his eyes were on Jesus. No, 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 no. Just because someone comes doesn't mean that, they are really, that, that their confidence and faith is, is in God. Some people come just because they've heard that that's a place people get help. Maybe I'll get help there too. I'm so desperate, I'll try anything. Okay? So just because this man came and begged Jesus and implored him and cried out to him doesn't mean that he, was, he had his attention right and his focus. All this man could see was that his child was about to die. He's desperate. So Jesus picked up on that and, 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 and his response, you know, Sometimes people read the, the way Jesus responds to people and it almost seems like Jesus gives these detached statements that don't really seem to have much to do with anything. But, you know, I've learned Jesus didn't just make random statements. When he says what he says to this man, it's because he knew what, what this man needed. So let's have a look. Then Jesus said to him, this is John 4 verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people... Now, the word people there is actually in italics, which means it's not in the original version. It's been added by the translators. Uh, they added it to, to, in their eyes, trying to help us understand this. But it's not actually there. So it doesn't really say, unless you people see signs and wonders. He's talking to this man. It says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Jesus is talking directly to this man and he says, you are, the only time you're going to start believing is, is when you see change. Now, there's two key things in what Jesus said there. Jesus spoke to this man about what he is seeing and what he's believing. And he begins to, it's because Jesus picked up that this man is focused on, all he can see is the desperate situation and how hopeless it is. 
Jesus knew he needed to change what this man was looking at. This man was in a situation where he was only going to start to feel relief and start to feel like there's hope, something's happening, when he could actually see his boy getting better. Many people are in that position. They're only going to start really having confidence in God when they start seeing things change and improve. Now, from a biblical point of view, it's got to happen the other way around. We have to start putting our confidence in God and His Word before things change. That's what's going to cause them to change. So Jesus says, He's saying to this man, your focus is wrong. You're, what you're, you're looking at, what you captivated with is, is, is inaccurate. Now, that's why I said the key, key words that Jesus says here, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. A lot of times people do not understand the importance of what we are seeing, what we are looking at. Uh, you see, when you're going through a situation, you know, we live in the natural. We, we, our eyes are captivated with, with what's going on around us, the crisis, the situation, the challenges we're facing. We, we look at our bills. We look at our, the, the, the bank statement. We look at our health and things are going around. And, and all we see is that. That's, the, that's how the natural man looks at things. But... The man who walks with God is a spiritual man. And Paul talked about the fact that we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Now, when Paul said that, it's in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4. When Paul said that, he, he was not saying we walk around blind. He, he says we do not look at the things that are seen, but, and you could add in, we do look at... The things that are not seen. In other words, he's saying, you're not closing your eyes so you see nothing. He's saying, you are looking at something else. You're not looking at just what the natural is saying. And if you're going to change some, so if you're going to get God involved in your situation, what you look at, what you focus at on needs to change. Hebrews 11 talks about the fact that, that when God brought uh, you know the people out of some situations. It says that if they had looked back, if they had, if they had, you know, looked at where they had come from, it says they would have had opportunity to return. Um, and I teach us. I've taught this many times in the Bible school that our direction, the direction you move, follows what you're looking at. I don't. How many? How many of you drive? You drive a car. Have you ever noticed you've got to look where you're driving? Um, you know, if you if you spend too much time looking to the side while you're driving, you start to drift in that direction. You start to move in the direction that you're looking at. And and if you if it's the same with spiritual principles, if all you're looking at is is the is the crisis in front of you, then you're just going to keep moving into that crisis. You're not going to change direction. You're not going to go anywhere else. Uh, God knows that one of, the pro one of the first steps to helping somebody change direction is to get them to look at something different. You've got to start looking. Same principle in the natural. If you, if you, I don't know if, if, you've, if any of you have ever run athletics or run track. Um, you know, coaches teach people, keep your eyes go looking, keep your eyes on the finish line, look ahead. You know, you're not when you're running a hundred yard dash, you're not supposed to be looking at the people in the lane next to you. 
Oh, they're catching me. Oh, they catch me. Because if you look around, what happens? You begin to drift into their lane and you end up tripping over each other. See, you move in the direction of what you're looking at. And this is a spiritual principle as well. That's why the Bible says we do not look at the things which are seen. Why? Because if you're looking at, if all you're looking at is what you're seen, your direction's not going to change. You're going to keep moving into that thing. If you want to change your direction, you've got to look at the things that are not seen. You've got to begin to focus on something different. And as you do, your direction can begin to change and go in the direction that God has for you. So you've got to begin to see something different. And this is what Jesus, Jesus had to adjust this man's focus. He had to get him looking at something different. And he started off by saying, if the only time you're going to believe is when a miracle happens and you actually see it, then we're not going to get to where there's a miracle going to happen. Because Jesus is saying, I've got to get you to look at something different first. I've got to get you to see uh, what, uh, some things before the miracle. Not just believe it when it happens. I don't know, uh, many of you have probably heard the account, uh, the passage where Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter said, if it's you, call me out. And now the Bible says the wind and the waves were going on around him. The storm was happening around them even before Peter ever got out of the boat. But what happens is G Peter, for a moment, all Peter could see was, was Jesus and, the, and what Jesus had said. And he jumps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. Then the Bible says this, this is in Matthew 14. The Bible says, when Peter saw the wind and the waves... And then it goes on, you see, he was afraid and began to sink. Notice this, Peter's miracle shutting down started the moment he began to look at the storm going on around him. As soon as he began to look at the wind and the waves, the uh, wind and the waves had been happening all along, excuse me, the wind and the waves had been happening all along, but as soon as Peter began to look at it, he began to sink. Uh, and that's instant. The Bible says that as soon as he looked at it, he began to sink. The moment his focus was wrong and was no longer on Jesus and what Jesus had said, his miracle began to shut down. Many people, they, one of the reasons they're struggling to receive from God is because their focus is wrong. They're so captivated with the crisis going on around them, they cannot see what God is saying or what God is, or what God is trying to get them to focus on. In the Old Testament, I'm just showing you how prominent this is in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, when they came out of the promised land and they got to, you know, sorry, came out of Egypt, going to the promised land. They came out of Egypt. They came to the Red Sea. The Bible says that when the Red Sea was in front of them, it says they turned and they looked and they saw Pharaoh behind them. And then right after it says, and they were afraid. You see, they began to look at this, this, the, the fact that Pharaoh was coming back after them and immediately they got afraid and they got their eyes off God and they began to panic and think we're all going to die. The moment their focus changed off where God was taking them and onto the problems going on around them, they, they, they began to be afraid. They got their eyes off God. Uh, some of you have also probably heard the, the, pass, the verse in Proverbs. It's often quoted in a different context, but it says, without a vision, my people perish. Well, what is a vision? Vision is your eyes. It's what you're seeing. 
if my people, if I can get, get, not get my people to see what I need them to see, they're going to perish without getting their vision right. That's what God's saying. See, if you want to get out of a desperate situation, you've got to adjust your focus. You've got to start looking at something else besides the desperation. This man came to Jesus desperate, so caught up in the fact that his child was going to die that Jesus knew, I can't quite help him yet. Jesus didn't give in to the pressure, didn't race with the man and say, all right, you've demanded, I pray, let's pray. Jesus took a step back and he said, well, first, let's talk about what you're looking at. Let's adjust your focus and let's sort out your believing. Okay, so let's continue reading John 4 verse 48. Uh, we'll read it again. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. So he's talking about what the man is seeing and the fact that the man needed to see change before he was going to believe anything. And Jesus knew in order to help this man, the answer was not to go with him. The answer was to adjust his focus so that he could then uh, get his miracle. And Jesus is trying to drop some hints here. He's trying to show the man what he's about to do. And we're going to see what he's about to do. Jesus wanted this man to believe without seeing. Without seeing any change. Without any evidence of any change yet. And so in verse 49, after Jesus has said this, the nobleman cries out again. And he says, it says, the nobleman says to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now, this is, this, is, this is where you begin to realize that this man has not yet quite got a hold of what Jesus is saying. He's just begged Jesus to come down. My child is dying. Jesus, in this man's eyes, throws out this random, unconnected statement. Unless you see, no one's gonna, you're not going to believe. The man looks at him. I, I, think, I think the man looked at him with a bit of a blank expression. It was like, huh? You, no, no, no. You don't understand, Jesus. Come now. I need your help. The man didn't see what Jesus was saying initially. He didn't get it. And so he continued to beg him and cry out in desperation. This is, this is what happens with a lot of people. A lot of times people are in desperate situations and God tries to give them the answer. and They don't get it. And they continue in their state of desperation focused on the crisis and the problem. And, and God has to begin to work that and prompt them and show them just your focus. Begin looking at something else. What did he need to look at? Well, this is, where, this is where the passage starts to get more exciting because the miracle starts to happen. In verse 50, Jesus speaks again. This time, he, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. Jesus spoke that out and declared that over the boy. Now, the first thing to notice is here is Jesus did not do exactly what the man had asked him. The man had asked him to come with him. Jesus didn't do this. He said, no, I'm not coming with you. I want you to believe what I'm saying. And that is what you need to be focused on, man, noble man. Jesus didn't give him any evidence. And at this point, the man had no proof, no knowledge, nothing that his child was, 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 oops, sorry, was healed. This man had no proof. All he had at this moment was Jesus' word. As far as everything in his mind told him, his boy was dying. Everything in the natural, everything he had seen in the natural told him his child was dying. But Jesus says to him, he speaks out a word and says, go your way, your son lives. 
And this is where the man got it. This is where a change happens in the man. He transitions out of desperation and into believing. He takes Jesus at his word without any physical evidence. There was no evidence to prove anything had changed. And it says, Jesus said to the man, go your way. Your son lives. And it says, so the man believed. What? The sign? No, he didn't know whether the sign had happened yet. See, just a moment before, Jesus told him, you're not going to believe unless you see a sign, are you? And so this man, that was how it was at that stage. But the man suddenly changed. He transitioned. The desperation leaves this man. And it says, the man believed, not the sign, because he didn't know the sign had happened. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. And what did he do? Did he continue sitting there begging Jesus? Did he say, no, no, you don't understand. I need you. You've got to come down with me, Jesus. No, it says the man went his way. Why would he leave? Why would he go his way? Because he came to the realization, I've got what I need. I've got what I need. Did he have any proof? No. Did he, had anyone told him? Had, had someone phoned him? No, he didn't have phone, phones those days. He didn't have Facebook or anything else. This man wasn't at home. There was no evidence whatsoever in the natural that his boy was yet healed. He had one thing, Jesus' word for it. And he leaves Jesus. He walks away and says he believed the word. So he had no evidence in the natural. What, is, what was Jesus trying to do here? Why did Jesus not go with him? Now, some of the other passages, when people said to Jesus, come, please come with us, Jesus went with them. This man, Jesus didn't do that. And that is because Jesus knew this man needed to change his focus. What did, we've already said what he needed to stop looking at. He needed to stop looking at the crisis. What did he need to start doing? He needed to start looking at God's word, at Jesus' word, at what Jesus said. Jesus wanted his attention off the situation and onto what he had spoken, what, his, what he had said. This is, this is a major, major key to getting out of desperate situations is people have got to start adjusting their focus. So many people are captivated with the crisis they're going through. They're crying out in desperation, God, do something. God, help me. I need you. Please help, help, help. And God is showing us the answer right here. He says that to help you, we've got to get your focus off the crisis and st stop looking at what is seen and start looking at what is not seen. What is not seen? What God has said. The word. That's not, we haven't yet seen it come to pass in the natural, but, but it's what we want. So, so this man had to grab a hold of and attach himself to Jesus' word. Now, as you look throughout the Bible, you'll find this happens many, many instances. You know, the, the, we haven't looked at all the passages, but the, 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 the centurion who came to Jesus, he had confidence in the word. It's one of the reasons Jesus said that he had great faith, because Jesus, in fact, said to, said to him, I'll come with you. And Jesus said, no, nah, sorry, the centurion said, no, nah, you don't need to come with. All I need is a word, because I understand that that is enough to, 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 get, to get me free. Now, and Jesus turned to the man and said, that is some great faith. In fact, he turned to all the people around him and said, you guys don't have any faith like that. I wish I saw some faith like that in all of you. That's what Jesus was saying. You know, many Christians know this, but a lot of, still a lot of, not a lot of people are really doing this. They are still focused on the crisis. 
we haven't come to the place where we have valued the word of God to the point that we will we will we will focus entirely on what it says and what God has said and hold to it and believe it and say, Father, I thank you. Your word says by stripes I'm here. Your word says you are the healer. And although nothing in the natural agrees with that, although everything in the natural disagrees with that. I believe your word without any physical evidence. I know your word is true. There's a lot of people that are still waiting to, to see the words God move before they'll say, oh, yes, now I believe God. I've seen a miracle. God has set me free. I now I believe God. That's not the highest type of faith. That's not the kind of faith God wants. God's looking for people who will believe based upon his word alone. And who will allow their focus, their eyes, what they're looking at, to move off the crisis onto what God's word says. What God's word says. Now, this is where you've got to keep the word of God in front of you because you've got to keep your eyes on it. You know, when Jesus came to his own hometown in Nazareth, um, many, many, pe- many people have probably heard the passage. He's, it's, the Bible says he stood up to read the passage from, from Isaiah. Uh, and, and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He quotes this, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he talks about preaching the good news and recovery of, 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 of sight to the blind and releasing the captives. And then Jesus sits down and, and he says, this scripture has now just been fulfilled. And that's the bit he added. That was not part of the quote. This was Jesus read that about us, blind opening, people being set free, all these, the, the, the poor hearing the good news. And he sits down, he says, that's just being fulfilled, that scripture. Now, I find it interesting that what Jesus did not do. Jesus did not say, bring me some blind people. I'll open their eyes and I'll prove to you that scripture's just been fulfilled by doing a miracle. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, bring some people in captivity. Let's, I'll do a miracle, I'll set them free, and then that'll prove that that scripture's been fulfilled. Jesus gave them no evidence. He gave them no proof whatsoever that that scripture had been fulfilled. All he did is he read, Spirit of the Lord's upon me, blind eyes opened, people released. All of this is about to happen. And, this, and then he sits down and says, it's fulfilled. There you go, done. All he gave them was his word. And in that instance, many of the, they got offended. They didn't like that. And, and, and to be honest with you, they could have started having miracles happen in that place. If they began to say, That's, I believe that. I believe that that word is being fulfilled right now in front of us. It's happening. And people could have grabbed a hold of that and, and, and started to receive miracles. They didn't. They got offended instead. And, and you know, Jesus had to say, well, there's unbelief in that place. But you see, God is looking for people who will get their eyes off of the situation and allow their focus to be entirely captivated by what his word says. God says in his word, he is our provider. He says, my God shall supply all of your need. Now people are saying, I would like that to be fulfilled, but God, you don't know how desperate the financial pressure is that I'm going on, that I'm facing at the moment. And God says, no, 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 get your eyes off the pressure and begin to get your eyes on what the word says. God says he is your provider. God says he is your healer. Begin to focus on that so that captivates your attention. Just like when Peter got out of the boat, all he could see was Jesus and he, and he, and he, and he, and he walked on the power of that word. Come until he got his focus off. 
So this man in John 4, it says when Jesus gave, when Jesus said that, go your way, your son lives, there was a change in the man. I believe at this point, you can see the desperation lifts off this man. He's not just crying out, you've got to do something, you've got to do something, you've got to do something. He adjusts and he walks away from Jesus. He's not frustrated saying, oh, that prophet didn't come with me. He didn't come help me. He doesn't say, there's none of that. This man walks away with the attitude, I've got what I came for. He knew he had it. That's why it says he believed the word and he went his way. No more pressure on Jesus. No more trying to cry out and say, you know, you don't understand my, my son's dying. The situation's desperate. None of that anymore. He believes the word. Jesus has said, my son lives. So I believe my son lives. He's had no evidence whatsoever. Now, I'm, I'm repeating some of this because it's important. Many people are waiting for the evidence. They're waiting to see God meet the need before they'll believe he is a God who meets needs. They're, seeing God, they, they're waiting to see God bring them out of the crisis before they'll believe God brings them out of crisis. You see, they're waiting for the miracle to happen and then they're going to get excited. Oh, praise God, I got a miracle this week. Hallelujah, praise God. Well, just 10 minutes before the miracle, they were like, God, you've got to do something. I need a miracle. They're crying about how desperate it is. Why don't you praise God before you see the miracle when you can see in his word that he says that miracle is yours? So if you believe the word, you'll start to thank God. You'll begin to say, Father, I know your word says you're my provider. And I'm going to focus on what your word says. I believe that. Therefore, I'm excited about it now. I'm going to thank you, Father God, that, that, that I'm coming out of this crisis. And thank him and get excited, get excited about it before you can see it in the natural. Many people, they're only going to jump up and down and get excited when, when someone gets out of the wheelchair. And then they'll believe God's the healer. They're only going to believe that God sets people free once their three or four miracles happen in their church. And then they'll get excited and run around. Oh, look at what happened. You know, hey, get excited when someone's set free. That's a good thing to do. But get, ex get just as excited before they get out of the wheelchair because of what God said about being the healer. That's what we need. That's what God's looking for. People who get excited about his word, believe what his word says before they have any physical evidence about it. That's what this man had to do. Verse 50, Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Didn't give him any evidence whatsoever in the natural that his son was alive and was, was going to live. And, and the man leaves Jesus, believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and he went down his way. He believed he had what he needed. What did he need? He didn't need to see something. He needed to accept what the word says, what Jesus said. Many Christians are in that position right now. Many people are, are struggling. They're resisting what the word says, and yet they're still crying out to God in desperation. And they think that desperation is going to get God to move. It's not how it happens. What gets God to move is getting your eyes off the crisis and onto his word. Becoming captivated with what his word says and believing God has said it. I believe it and it's going to happen. I believe I have that breakthrough. I believe it's mine regardless of anything in the natural. That is a key to faith and that is a vital key to getting God to move in your situation. So then let's continue on here. And it says uh, in verse 51, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. 
this is the first time he had any evidence. This is, this is after he believed what Jesus said. First, all he had was Jesus' word. It's only afterwards that he got the news, your son is living. Your son is alive. There's been a change. So it's the first time the man had any evidence in the natural. And then it says, verse 52, Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. Uh, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Well, there, there his faith is reinforced. But that's not the first time he believed. He had already believed before he had any evidence whatsoever that, that, that his, his, son, his son lived. So I believe the, the focus of this passage is that desperation is not what gets you a result. Desperation, being desperate for God to move is not what gets him to move. When you're desperate, you put pressure on people. When you're desperate, you look at the circumstance. When you're desperate, you're, you're focused in on everything going on around you. And if you want to get God to move in a desperate situation, you've got to begin to adjust your focus. You've got to start looking at something different than the crisis. Now, I understand when you're under a crisis, the emotional pressure can be hard. And that uncertainty about, is God going to move? Is God going to do something? Well, let me encourage you, when you, when you, when you trust Him, when you, do, when you operate the way His Word says, yes, He does. Yes, He will move. He will do something. He will change that situation. There's a way out of a desperate situation. And I've just, I've just shown you where it starts. It starts by not getting caught up in looking at the crisis, but looking at what God said. And that is a major step, major part of faith, major part of believing. So Jesus had to lead this man. Now we can, we can learn some important lessons from this for ourselves as well, is that when you're trying to help other people, don't, we don't, we, you know, we need to be like Jesus. We need to do it like he did it. Jesus didn't just respond to the desperation. Jesus took a step back and said, I need to bring this person to a place where they're focused on the word. And, and, and that's how we need to help other people. Uh, the best way you can help other people is not give in to their pressure and pray for them every time they demand it. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. You know, some people just love doing it. They just want everyone else to pray for them. Go pray for me, you know, pray for me. Um, and, and sometimes you need to say, you know, well, hold on a second. It's not just about getting everyone to pray for you. It's about you getting to a place where you believe the word. And, and, and if, you, if you've got your eyes on the word, you don't need 400,000 different people praying for you. So the way we can help people is not give in to their desperation, but, but bring them to a place where they start to look at what the word says and they, their eyes are captivated by that. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith not by sight. In other words, we walk by what we believe, not by what we see. This is a central, important message in the, in the Bible. It's over and over and over again. And uh, this man, Jesus, Jesus brought this man through a process. There was a change in this man, and that change shows a lot. When this man first came to Jesus, he was desperate. He's so desperate that all he could see was the crisis. But by the time he left... It's like the crisis had taken a back seat and, and he wasn't so emotionally pressured over the crisis. By the time he walked away from Jesus, he, had, he, he was looking at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. No physical evidence. He hadn't seen his son live. But this man's attitude changed. He left believing, I've got what I need because he trusted in the word.
Now, um, that's that's really the I believe the core of this passage. One of the, just one other point quickly before I close out of this passage is that this passage shows us you do not need the physical presence of Jesus in order to get a result. You do not, you know, Jesus did not have to be with the Son. It was okay enough to do from a distance. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, if I, if, if, if only Jesus was on the earth now, uh, like he was 2,000 years ago, you know, I'd get my healing. And, and I'm, I'm not convinced they would. <laughs> I mean, just having Jesus physically present doesn't mean it's, it, all the principles change. Jesus still looked for people to believe, you know, to help them. Uh, people just think, well, you know, if I can just get to the meeting where the healing, anointed healing man is, I'll get my result. You know, that, that, it doesn't, it's not about being where the anointing is to get healed. That can help. It's about believing what God says. You can receive in your own bedroom without having to be in a healing meeting. Right there where you are right now. You, could, you can take a hold of the word of God and get your focus on that and become captivated by that. You can receive your healing right there wherever you are i remember i remember years ago and i'll just i'll finish off on this I remember years ago i was uh preaching in a, in a church and it was quite a traditional denominational church they they never invited me back after I, after i preached the word to them they didn't seem to like that for some reason um and i preached a good a very basic message i preached on the fact that god is a good god and for some reason they didn't they didn't like that i mean i, I don't know if they believe god's a bad god i'm not quite sure what they believe but they got very offended at that so, but I preached this message on God is a good God, and and while I was preaching, you know, or toward the end of when I was preaching, I I I I just you know, I wanted to pray for people after I finished preaching, and um, I asked, I kind of just said to some of the leaders, "Is it all right if I have a prayer line and just pray for people?" And they, the guy folded his hands like this, and he said, "We don't do that in this church." I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, you don't do that in this church. That's fine. So, and I still just really had it on my heart, I need to pray. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to find a way to pray for people. And, and I just very quickly said, I just said, is there anyone in here who needs prayer? You need healing and you want God to touch you right now. And this lady, she was right at the back of the church, it wasn't a huge church, but you know, 20 rows, 10 rows or something back, stuck her hand up and she's, you know, and, and I didn't even ask her what she needed uh, prayer for. And I, before anyone could say anything or do anything, I just pointed straight at her and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I closed the service. Didn't do anything else. Didn't lay hands on it. Didn't go to the back, pray for it. Didn't do anything. Okay. Just released a word. And what happened is after I closed the service, this lady came running up to me straight from the back. She just made a straight line straight for me. And she, her eyes were alight. And she said, you know what? When you said that, she said, I felt power hit me. She said, I've never felt anything. I've never known anything like that. That stuff doesn't happen in this church because we're resistant to the word. But um, you see, you don't have to physically be in contact. You don't have to be physically with someone. You don't have to be. Jesus doesn't have to be right there with you. If you'll take him at his word, that is enough. And that's the lesson of this passage. Jesus wanted this man to believe based upon the word alone. Amen. That is how you get out of desperate situations. Begin to become captivated with what the word says. Believe and trust what the word says and begin to begin to take God at his word above everything else to the point that his 